0: stadium is second to nine. The raid breaks out in Columbia. It is good! Gamecock fans, welcome home. We'll see how it goes, uh, but we'll be ready to go. It's time to root. Let's go, Carolina! It's gone! Touchdown! What a hit! He baked it in! Can you believe it? The Gamecocks have won this game!
1: Here are your hosts, J.C. Sherbert. Right,
0: watch him
1: celebrate now! Bill Mullinex, my wife
2: doesn't like hanging around losing,
1: and Jamie Bradford. I'm going
2: to tell you, you look like you're enjoying dance, All right, greetings and good morning. Welcome aboard and welcome. Home inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Cinerama Studios and built by the BarndoCo, the com, one of the nation's best builders where you can do it if you're in Georgia, Tennessee, where SEC Media Today is, or the Carolinas for as low as $160 per square foot. The BarndominiumCo.com, they are Gamecock-owned and operated, but like I just mentioned a moment ago, they are one of the best builders you can find in the country, and they have the awards to prove it. Make sure you find them, again, at the thebarndominiumco.com. Signorama, of course, the preferred sign partner of us and of the University of South Carolina. They are Gamecock-owned and operated in West Columbia. Matt Vaughn is a special, special human, and he can do work for you anywhere within our borders. Make sure you find them at sinarama.com. You'll find Mike Morgan in about 30 seconds. We'll pop him into the program. He'll be with us for an entire hour, Mike, One of the grandest voices in college athletics and certainly one of the great voices in the SEC today and here in about an hour and 30 minutes, about an hour and a half, Greg Sankey will step to the podium and officially kick off SEC media days and we'll see what he brings with him in that 10 or 15 minute opening speech. The rest of the uh, schedule today, Brian Kelly, Jimbo Fisher and Eli Drinkwitz will follow and so on and so forth throughout the week, boys and girls, and we're really, um, I don't know if there will be a storyline that's created there or not, um, but I do know that uh, all of the coaches will have their chance in the spotlight to speak their minds, and we'll see if a certain few are able to do so. Gamecocks might be getting a commitment today. We'll probably try to touch on that uh, coming up here in our number two, but JC, Phil, hope you had a wonderful weekend, and I know Mike's waiting. We can pop him in anytime, and. We can put this boat in the water and set sail here with the unofficial kickoff to the 2023 college football season. What's up, guys?
1: Oh, what's up? What's up? I actually don't see Mike, so not
2: yet. Okay, no, nope. well, he'll be yeah,
1: in there. Yeah, no worries. As soon as he gets in, we'll pop him in there. Yeah, now we
2: eleven o five.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Now we we actually headed your way this past weekend. Spent uh, Saturday and Sunday down at the beach on Isle Palm, so it was nice. Yeah. Nice, was nice, it nice. crowded?
2: Out there?
1: It was hot, uh, I knew
2: that. <laughs> oh, It was
1: hot, yeah, for sure. I don't know, uh, you know, we we do things a little differently, so we kind of skirt the edges, right? We get there really early before everybody else does. <laughs> that way we don't have to deal with it. But no, by the time we left yesterday, it was probably about 11 o'clock in the morning. Uh It was starting to fill up pretty quick. but Yeah. yeah. Eh, you know how it is. It's that time of year.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, out there. I mean, we spent the whole weekend pretty much at the pool. We, After mm-hmm. being on vacation, we chose not to move, um, and I just know it was hot as hell. Let's just put it that yeah. way. So. <laughs> it was extremely hot. <laughs> How hot is it? In, in, uh, Well, y'all just had tornadoes fly through there last week, JC. Oh,
3: yeah. Yeah, it's hot up here. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> It gets it, it, that way. It's, um, In the Midwest, you don't ex- escape the humidity. Uh because there's just a lot of vegetation, I guess, trees, grass, uh, whatever. And so we're kind of at the point of the year where it is hot and it's humid. It's been fortunate so far, like June was very mild up here, but July has not been. And yeah, when we were in Gatlinburg, actually uh, bad storms came through uh, to the point my neighbor had to come over and like ferret out the water in the turtle pond outside. Mm. Cause Lizzie was about to wash away, that'd <laughs> have been the second time that's happened to me too. Can, can you imagine Holy my smart. mental distress
2: if Over we lost turtle. another turtle? Yeah, Lizzie's too.
3: about the size of a football, yeah, though, man. so she can't fit under the. Petey was the small one, and he he could fit under the fence. But uh, yeah, I, I learned this about turtles too. They have a like a so like, I want to call it a sonar, but a, like a homing device. Most of them don't ever like when like they, they, they live about like four square miles with, for within the, where they're born mm. their whole lives. And they have this tracking device that like they will go toward home. So, you know, if you set Lizzie down in the yard, she just starts walking in a, in a direction. Dark, 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 dark. She's going home or where she was born, <laughs> right? And I think, and like we never found like a body or anything on Petey, like a cracked shell or anything like that when he washed away. I think he just went home. You know,
0: <laughs>
3: it's like in, in Men in Black when Elvis is not dead; he just went home. <laughs> <laughs> Elvis was an alien. Uh, by the way, I got a new show I'm watching. It's called Reacher. Uh, yeah, it's Amazon it's cool. Prime. No, I, yeah, I kept seeing some clips of it on YouTube. I started watching it this weekend. I, re- I really like it. It's pretty cool. Uh, and also started watching the the Baz whatever his name is with Tom Hanks the Elvis movie. The other day, it was late, so we fell asleep and paused it, but it's, it's pretty good so far as well. So I just wanted to I'll throw that one in there.
2: Well, I uh, someone, someone else had mentioned that to me before, but I never got around to it. So now I guess, <clears throat> with an additional um recommendation, that's something that uh, we'll make sure. What do we oh, my phone's recording everything I'm saying, that can't be good. Uh, <laughs> by the way, uh, we uh, Mike is gonna check in at 1130. updated time there, so we'll hold him into our number two or as long as he wants to stay. Uh, The rest of the schedule this week, guys, we'll be joined. um, We do have a representative from uh, Park Avenue who will be here on Wednesday as well. Jordan Hill uh, with the University of Georgia will join us Wednesday. Brad Crawford will also be on Wednesday. Uh, Jeff Tarpley tomorrow. We've got Chris Phillips later on in the week. Uh, We've got uh, David Kloniger later on in the week, and we'll be filling in more gaps as we – Really, kind of hone in on uh, on what's happening up in Nashville with SEC Media Days, and um, d- did any of you happen to catch, by the way, the clip of Chris Doring the bet that he lost? Did y'all see this? I saw
1: a picture of him sitting in an airplane wearing an LSU baseball jersey.
2: Yeah. <laughs> no, the whole the whole uniform. He had cleats. Yeah, yeah, on, yeah uniform. Yeah, that's stirrups, right, yeah Stirrups. Jer- uh, pants. The whole nine yards. Well, I was listening to him talk about it this morning, and he said he was leaving Gainesville, and he said, I was rather surprised because I'm walking through the airport and there wasn't like one person that turned around like, Well, that's strange. There's a grown man wearing a college baseball uniform through the (laughs) airport. Just you know, but I guess if you really think about it, it's Gainesville, so God only knows what comes in and out of that airport (laughs) from time to time. It's probably normal. (laughs) But I, that was you know he lost the bet so hats off to Doring because he, uh, you know he owned up to his bet. The problem that I have with Chris, and he I I have never met him but I know that he is just one of the most super people out there. Mike Morgan has mentioned that a thousand times too. He did it again, guys. This is like the fourth straight year he just hopped on the Kentucky bandwagon, and he is leading the charge right into the season. He did it again. I mean, he did I, say it this morning. I, you know, I don't know if they can, you know, win eleven games. Well, you mean like you predicted last year? <laughs> so he, there he is. He, he's he's on it again. He's he's leading. what What's he about that? In his career, and we've had Doring on
3: the podcast on J C Morgan, and it's he, I think he's been on twice. Uh, really good, really good. Y'all remember during his career, he sort of saved the early. I don't want to say save the early Spurrier era because they were winning from the start, but man, they went up there and played one of Bill Curry's terrible teams and they were screwing around and, and, and not, you know, and and they hadn't lost to Kentucky in like forever. And I think, I think it was like fourth down with like 10 seconds left. I think Shane Matthews hit him with a pass for a touchdown and they won 24 to 20. That was one of the most legendary plays in the Spurrier era there. So Maybe he has an affinity for Kentucky because that's kind of where one of the, the best or better moments of his career, uh, took place up there in the I Commonwealth. Could.
4: So it's could it's like, it could be it, but yeah, I mean, like
3: look, so, some of the old Gator boys, they they have some interesting predictions. Shane Matthews thinks Florida's going eight and four this season. Um, I thought that was an interesting prediction, and you know, it's not one I completely disagree with because Florida's always got athletes. It's just they just don't have a lot of proven players and you, you don't look at that roster, like some of the Florida teams of the past and, you know, somebody's going to lose. <laughs> I mean, it, uh, in this league, it's just like, you kind of, kind of just look and figure out, well, who's who somebody's going to lose. But uh, yeah, that is interesting. He jumped on the UK bandwagon again, one day, one day that may hit.
2: I, I don't know. You know, I, I, I found as, the SEC Network, I think, does a brilliant job in covering media days. And, and they try to hit everything from all the different angles. That stuck out to me this morning. The other thing that really stuck out to me, they did have Eli Drinkwitz on, and uh, he was asked by, as Coach Spurrier once called him, Burnsy, uh, Peter Burns, to give us your 100%. You know what, what can you say coming into the season confidently 100% about your football team? And I thought – like most coaches, he's probably going to dance a little bit, and and you know how it will one hundred percent always give great effort. You know, something ridiculous like that. He just—I don't know if you've been watching—he comes literally right out and he says, "We're going to be really good on defense," and that and, and it's rare. I'll give him some credit. I'm not a big Eli Drinkwitz guy, as we discussed on on Friday, um, but that's rare, right? To see a coach. In the middle of July, being asked a point blank or being asked a question that is not necessarily point blank, you can take it however you want to take it and answer it however you want to answer it, and he looks straight at the camera and says, "Yeah, by the way, our defense is pretty freaking good." Mm-hmm. So, you know, you wonder where they are on offense, and maybe that's why the guys that generally know more than I know are a little bit, you know, a little bit higher on Mizzou as being a potential upstart in the league this year.
3: I think they got a good coordinator. I mean, I think the move they made last year to, to a coordinator was big. Uh, I think they were pretty good defensively last season at time from time to time. I mean, the one team that really kind of got after them before they played Carolina, I remember breaking down that game was was K State, and that's a triple option team, you know, <laughs> uh, essentially. Yeah. K State went up and down the field on a lot of people last year, uh, and we'll see this year. I mean, I I, I tend to agree. I think. When you look at Missouri, they're, they're not overly crazy good at running back. They do have some skill, talent at receiver. Uh, I think they're all ready to bench Brady Cook. The Brady Cook has some moments where he plays well um, and beat out the other guy. You know, and then they got guys behind him. So, you know, that's the thing. And I think when Eli has a good defensive team, his offense, because his offense is essentially dink and dunk, dink and dunk, dink, short passes. Uh, power runs you know they try to hold the ball it's not overly explosive uh when he's playing good defense that offense can eat clock and uh they play pretty well so i think you know we've talked about their schedule and how it could be anywhere from 2 and 3 to 5 and 0 uh, so i think that you know they probably are going to be pretty good on defense this year and but you know what as far as game costs are concerned game costs be pretty good on offense so We'll see see what happens.
2: Well, if you actually go and look at the 22, if you go back and look at the 22 Tigers and the number of games that they lost by less than a touchdown, and that includes the four-point loss against Georgia. Y'all remember that last year Mm -hmm. Uh, up there in Columbia, Missouri? They did. Yeah, we thought, well, they had just, so the week before they went to the Plains and Auburn beat them in (sighs) overtime by three. Remember that game? Yeah. That that was wild what happened over there at the end. Wasn't that and the you,
1: fumble right before the end zone kind of deal? Was that, yeah. that game? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or he yeah, stepped yeah. out. Yeah, mm-hmm. man.
2: It yeah, was yeah, we're stepped yeah, out. Yeah. Either way, it was heartbreaking stuff. Mm-hmm. And didn't you – I don't know about y'all, but I kind of thought after that – because they beat um, – I, I pulled their schedule up here to remind myself. I knew they got thumped in there. But they, they beat Louisiana Tech, and they had beaten Abilene Christian in week three. And Abilene Christian is terrible. They have no business being on the field with Missouri <sighs> – but they only beat them by 17 points. However, Sanders between two, those two games, was on the road at Kansas State. Y'all remember that game? Kansas State hung 40 on them. They got beat 40-12 to 12 in that game. And then when they got their hearts broken by Auburn, I thought this team, four games in, not only are they, I don't think, very good on offense, they're, there's no way they're not just deflated at this point. They got their rear ends kicked in at Kansas State, Manhattan, Kansas. And then they have every chance to win the Auburn game, and they get – so I thought they were going to go into that Georgia game. We might have talked about this last year. I thought Georgia was going to beat them by 50 points. And you can make the argument Missouri should have won the game. Oh,
3: damn, down 10. And
2: -hmm. Georgia
3: methodically – I mean, just really methodically came back. I mean, it wasn't anything explosive they did. They just just came back. I mean, they had a – they had a hard time, so uh, and that was a good moment. I thought really after they beat Carolina, they hit another skid and then rallying like they did to beat Arkansas and win the, what is it, the red line trophy or whatever the hell they call it, the, the forced rivalry at the forced border war out there. Um, Beating them was big, and then, of course, they lost their bowl game to Wake Forest. Uh, but yeah, you know, they're kind of held her skelter. But one, the one common thread, JB and Phil, was they did play good defense last year for the most part. Yeah, I mean, K State got, they got, got the best yeah. of them, Tennessee, mm-hmm. and they were Tennessee just lit them. The whoa, yeah, I yeah. mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they weren't stopping Tennessee <laughs> at all. But but that game still was like five point. All of a sudden, it was a, it was a five point game, and then all of a sudden, you look up and it's it's like you know twenty nine. Right. and the balls of course ported on 66 24 they they've beaten Drinkwood 62 24 and 66 24 in 2 years so if your defense is really that much better be sure you <laughs> stop the balls in columbia this year because it, <laughs> or at least it's, keep uh, them under
2: 50 right yeah, keep right.
3: them yeah. under 4 under under 50 and we'll we'll, we'll make right progress but yeah it's uh and somebody's talking about sat versus Drinkwoods. i mean that it's just sad. It's kind of sad what happened. And 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 Drinkwitz, quite Drinkwitz, Eli Drinkwitz, an offensive mind, has owned the Gamecocks four times, mm-hmm. at App State once and Missouri three times, primarily with the oh, way defense. his teams have played defense.
2: Yeah, yeah,
3: <laughs> you know. Yeah. and look that 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 twenty twenty game. You know, heck, if, if they'd have gone with Doty earlier, maybe maybe the game has come back and win. I mean, I thought that was that was a good Missouri team. And I thought Carolina played inspired ball for the last time that year, the second half. But, dude, like, even though that game was 31-28 in 2021, game that's at 250 yards of offense. They benefited from turnovers and stayed in the game, somehow got back into it. Last year was pathetic. Yeah. Pathetic. Yeah. And, and Carolina's defense did not did not get off to a good start, but then they they rallied and you know they were able to get enough stops. Keep in mind that game ended, that game was 17 10 at one point. Right. And, and and they just couldn't do anything against against the defense. And and dude, that's over like how many de- four different defensive coordinators he's had. He had one mm-hmm. at App State, he had one at Missouri first year, then they had Steve Wilkes, which is a disaster. Uh, and then they have this new guy, and they've just been able to stop the game. Carolina's got to put points on the board against them uh, this year. Well,
2: I mean, I th- I think uh, honestly, you know, when you actually now kind of take a step back and look at Missouri, I, there's okay. Um, their first four, they got you know they're going to want to give Kansas State a little taste of their own medicine from last year, right? If they can do that, it is really hard for me to figure out how they're not going to be four and zero. South Dakota, Middle Tennessee, Kansas State, and Memphis, and then they got to go to Vanderbilt. So I, I don't know about you two, but I would probably, at this point in time, say that the odds of them being five and zero, um, probably fifty fifty. Is that fair? I mean, we're talking about, look five and is Five and is hard to get to. Things happen in football. Um, but at the, but at the same time, if things really go wrong, they could come out of that deal, you know, at three and two or some somewhere in there. But you mentioned the points, J.C., and um, so, yeah, they've got, you know, if Carolina can score, there's one game. They've got LSU coming to town. They've got to go to Georgia. They've got Tennessee. I think those – I mean, I don't know about Kentucky. I mean, I'm listening to everybody talk about Liam Cohen and Devin Leary. I mean, I I feel like we hear the same thing every year at Kentucky. Oh, they have a new quarterback and they have a new O.C. Okay, well – all right, that's fine, but I'm not. I'm not sure. I remember a year where they're out there averaging forty plus points a game. I, I don't know about y'all. So it just seems to me like there are four true opportunities for the that prove it type game for this for that defense that Missouri defense this year, and South Carolina needs to prove it. Like they need to prove it. I'm with you. I totally with you. Agree with you, JC. It's it's losing to Missouri four straight years sucks. Right? Losing Missouri four straight years because you can't score any points sucks even worse and it's been really sloppy and choppy when they play them. It's been very frustrating to watch those games if you pull for the gamecocks.
1: Yeah, heartbreakers. I mean, you just there's no reason whatsoever from a talent perspective when you're looking top to bottom on these rosters why South Carolina should have lost four in a row. No. But- I (laughs) think that's what makes me dislike Drinkwitz even more because it was like, obviously, he put together a good game plan and they were out there executing it and, you know, stopping everything we were throwing at him. Now, albeit we've been hamstrung offensively for the past two years and and we've, you know, let that go coming into this year. So I I think we feel a bit more confident about the offense moving into this year.
2: Yeah. I mean, you can, I mean, prior to that, Carolina, of course, had one three straight under coach Muschamp, in which they had figured him out. Yeah. Um, you know, Mushamps team scored 31, 31 and 37, and then 19 rolls around. Missouri did score 34 points in that game, but, um, yeah, I'm with you. I 14, 10, 28 and 10, that you can't, you just can't have that. You've got to be able to score points. And if, if Eli Drinkwitz is right and others. Uh, making the argument that this year's defense, more than likely, if you're going to come out and just say we're really good, that means they're better than probably the previous couple of defenses. It just seems like it's going to be more difficult to score points on the road in Columbia, Missouri. But nonetheless, nobody wants to hear that if you're a fan of South Carolina. Who cares? You can't get beat by them again. you got to go up there and find a way to win. And I guess we'll see uh, See what happens there. Gandy, y'all actually watched the 2020 season? Yes. Every minute of every game when you are a uh, actual, you know, if you're an actual fan, that's what they do. And when you work in the media, as we do, it's kind of moronic to cut a microphone on and think you're going to talk about something that you've never seen. So we did watch every minute of every game. All right. It's 1124 Uh, media coverage this week. Our coverage of media days is teed up by TravelingCountryClub.com. It's the coolest club. In the Carolinas, 45 courses to play between both North and South Carolina, and it is Gamecock-owned and operated. That's a trend around here. Michael Manus is a special, special man. He played golf for the Gamecock golf program, and now he is the owner of the coolest club around, TravelingCountryClub.com. Mike Morgan is up in just a few minutes. Hang tight inside the Gamecocks. The show will be right back. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say, and so does the Barn Dough Company, where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit TheBarnDominiumCo.com. That's TheBarnDominiumCo.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock. Owned and operated.
0: Welcome to TravelingCountryClub.com. Your modern golf club experience. Hey, folks, this is Michael Manis, former Gamecock golfer, inviting you to play more golf with a membership to TravelingCountryClub.com. With over 40 courses across the Carolinas, our membership provides you with an affordable way to enjoy a club-like golf experience. From the mountains to the coast, we offer golf courses that will challenge all types of golfers, no matter your handicap level or level of play. Plus, we offer unique membership benefits not seen anywhere else as part of Traveling Country Club. In July, we're excited to bring you the third annual Plunder on Polly's two-day golf tournament with Browns played at Caledonia and True Blue Golf Courses in the heart of Polly's Island. Head to TravelingCountryClub.com to register for that event. And it is not exclusive to TCC members, but to become one, you can sign up and bring to life your golf game. Tee it up with Traveling Country Club, TravelingCountryClub.com, TravelingCountryClub.com, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show.
4: Hey, Gamecock fans. It's Evan Stone from Gamecock Baseball. A couple of painters paint the show garnet and black every day and get the job done right at a fair cost. Go to LetMePaintSomething.com for information and an estimate. Go Cox.
2: You heard Evan Stone, Gamecock fans. 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. LetMePaintSomething.com.
1: everybody. Welcome back Inside the Gamecocks, the show live from Cinerama Studios. First hour of the show, as always, brought to you by Cindy Searfoss and the COWA Banker Kane Realty team here in the upstate. I know a lot of y'all are thinking about considering a move to the upstate. And if you are, give Cindy a call at 864 414 5271. She'll be happy to walk you through the process, just like she has for a few of our other listeners. I didn't like the way Sir Bigsburg was looking at me right there. Oh, man, you got to look out, man. That like it's a shifty chicken. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'll get to you, man. man,
1: uh, man i tell known. you what, that's,
2: yeah, you really don't want
1: him to look at you crazy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, there's a, there's a few of them that are, um, that roam the streets on the way to dropping my kids off to school in the mornings. And, and it's, it's pretty funny to see. The, 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 well, I know which house they belong to, but they will just walk out in the road, and they don't care. They'll stop traffic. People, everybody who travels that road. Pretty much knows them, you know. But they, they this is my street. So you, you know, you you can honk your horn, you can do whatever you want. They move it until they feel like moving. So hats <laughs> off to those Gamecocks down the road. There, appreciate them uh, making us late from time to time. That's right. That's right. Yeah,
1: that's oh, we right. have a—we've got our special guest has arrived here. Let's bring him there in. There he
2: is—the golden tones of the great Mike Morgan, probably joining us from his kitchen. I would imagine in his uh, I love in lovely Atlanta.
3: I'm waiting to nope. see where it is. It's Who not it not is the Kaiser Sose. Uh
4: oh, <laughs> we got something. Uh, <laughs> my, something this is my uh, alter ego, Kaiser Sose. And Kaiser never does the show from his kitchen in Atlanta. Um, Kaiser has other locations around the globe. I may or may not be near a beach in southern Florida, but we cannot confirm nor deny such reports or allegations. <laughs>
5: yeah,
3: that's not the Atlanta. that's, that's not the Atlanta studio right there. No, 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 no. Oh, we've, got,
4: we've got two Atlanta studios. You know, I've got that professional looking Studio with all the great background uh, credentials of games I've worked and different photos of people I've worked with and little plaques and all this good stuff. And I wind up whenever I do something, as JC knows, when we do the podcast, I often wind up back where I'm most comfortable, which is the little nook between the kitchen and the family room. The family room has always got some type of sports or a movie on. And and I'm like I'm wired a little bit differently uh, than most, and that I've always got something on. I like background noise. I like I don't like quiet times. Libraries and me don't see we don't see eye to eye. So uh, I I wind up going in that room, and I'm sure we've had a lot of great guests here lately. I'm sure they're wondering like why is Mike doing this with the island of his kitchen and like a spice rack behind him. But that's just – that's my comfort zone.
2: Well, I, I guess eventually we could morph that segment into uh, Blackledge's Taste of the Town where Mike yeah, is just right. Taste of Mike's Kitchen, you know, whatever. Yeah, because it's the peanut butter I, I'm and jelly three and, feet yeah.
4: from the grill. I could just, you know, and during commercial breaks, just walk out and, hey, look, I just happen to have a half rack of baby back ribs. Let's do this <laughs> segment and uh, enjoy some. <laughs> <that." laughs>
2: Now this boy, my, my, is, uh, this is PB and J. Uh, yeah, I right hear.
3: I've seen Mike's grill set up. It's second to none.
2: All it's right, like kind like of a in good the
3: trees. Set. I mean, it's like yeah. You know, his backyard is kind of like there's a lot of trees, and he's got an upper deck. That's where he does all his grilling and hot tubbing and things.
2: <laughs> hot tubbing. And, hot and, tubbing. And, 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 and
3: yeah, it's <laughs> like a it's like a, it's like a sports bar. It's like a, it's like Club Med up there, man. I, yeah. Uh, yeah.
4: For the record, the uh, the hot tub did come with the house. Yeah, uh, yeah. but I'm glad it did. I'm not. I uh, yes, would great. I have ever gone out and bought a hot, hot tub? Tubbing. Am I a hot tub guy? Um, maybe, maybe not. But <laughs> but I do enjoy it. I do enjoy it. Yeah, JC, the grill.
2: I, I've got to put the hot tubbing into my um, boating category. Like I hate when people say boating. So I'm, I'm not a hot tubbing yeah. guy either. Either getting in the hot tub, tub or you're going in the boat. You're not boating no. in hot. Tubing. Wouldn't call yourself a hot tubber.
4: <laughs> I'd rather have a boat, but uh no. that is has got a
3: hot tub too. It's just in Maggie Valley. I mean, it's in the mountains. So it's true. you know, yeah. you guys, I'm just beautiful view. Me and yeah. Phil got to get on the hot tub train. Yeah, all right. <laughs> That'll well, be what? a theme of this show. We all have hot tubs. Hot we, all, we should do the show all from our hot tubs when we all get one.
4: Yeah, I'm, just, just, No, I'm not that would be that would be interesting. Four guys in four <laughs> separate hot tubs <laughs> on a podcast. I feel like it should that be. That would get people talking.
2: It would. Yeah, it Would. there's no doubt. Uh, and they talk enough, so I don't want to give yeah. them any more reason to, to, to do that. All right, Mike. Uh, Media Days is pretty much underway. Sankey will be up there in an hour, uh, about 1235, I think, is when he will step to the podium. But speaking of that. Describe Greg Sankey's importance to this league in your mind and what he's achieved and what he just means as the leader. I think of the most valuable league in the, in, uh, certainly in college sports, um, but in how he uses his vision to drive it.
4: Yeah, it's a great question. I was talking about this on another show last week and, and the question was kind of posed the same way you posed it, but then, then the, the host also added, well, well, uh, you know, it is the SEC, it's hard to screw up, right? And I was like, actually, it's a lot easier to screw something up than to advance it, really. Uh, there's no question the SEC is the premier property, if you will. It is the Lamborghini of conferences. It has been for quite some time. You know, I've said this many times, my introduction to the conference was I have an older brother who went to Auburn back in the 80s. And as a kid, that got my juices flowing to really understand it. And then I watched it expand in 92 with Arkansas and South Carolina. And now, of course, we were on the precipice of adding Texas and Oklahoma. And, you know, I I remember how important it was and how revolutionary it was to go back to Roy Kramer with the SEC championship game. Uh, when everybody thought that was crazy, it would actually hurt the league. That's right, people thought that would hurt the league. Um, but what Greg has done, he's taken the Lamborghini and he has souped it up, right? I mean, he's added, and I'm not a big car guy, but he's added cams to the engine. He's got a spoiler. The sound system is fantastic. He's tinted the windows. He's got a moon roof. Um, he, he made it, uh, you know, for those that are in the EV world. It's a hybrid. You can you if you don't have gas, it's OK. You can just t- take the EV switch and put it on to say that you you can't screw up a league like the SEC would be wrong. You know, the pack had a really good run there for a while. The pack in football in basketball and baseball was a really good league. And they went outside the box and hired a guy from the Women's Tennis Association and Larry Scott. And he basically took that Lamborghini, drove it into a ditch, didn't have collision insurance, totaled the car. And the pack has been uh, at times irrelevant and now is on the brink of extinction. If something doesn't happen here uh, of of significant consequence in the next few, I don't know, days, weeks, months that they've been kicking that can down the road for a long, long time, Uh, you know, the, the Big Ten. I'm convinced now they they they, they're on more steady ground. But you go back to covid, which is where I really think Greg Sankey shined so superior to anyone else running a conference. I mean, he was already doing great work and he was already those of us who follow college athletics uh, on on the day to day, as we all do. We already knew what Greg Sankey was doing was somewhat magical. The nation found out the kind of leader Greg Sankey is during COVID because he was so far ahead of the rest of the gang and, and he did. So remember now every move he made, if it was the wrong one, if he was scared to make the right moves, then he would never hear the end of it. The national media, which clearly had a narrative during COVID um, JC, and I've talked about that on the podcast. I learned a lot about writers that I've been following for a long time, just their, their, predisposition to certain beliefs that they want to continually uh shove down your throat in the guise of just covering college football like your traditional beat writers do uh they were ready to pounce on greg say if any of those things turned out wrong oh it's putting it's putting dollars over the safety of athletes oh it's putting football uh over the, the the sanctity Of of keeping everybody you know out of harm's way and and so it's not as if he didn't he made those moves without a major uh, storm of criticism headed his way if they turned out to be wrong instead they were all right I mean move by move by move while everybody else was either trying to outsmart the room uh, or they were just kind of waiting on what what what's Greg gonna do because I really don't I don't want to be the first one in the pool. And so that to me is when you realized, okay, that that's what leadership is all about. And I'm sure he had many sleepless nights during that time and uh, time after time, you know, at the at the craps table, a game I still don't understand, but he kept rolling (laughs) sevens, which I think is a good thing Um, anyway. So and then and then in the last few years, you've just watched move after move, um, whether it's media deals, whether it's getting texas and oklahoma when quite frankly nobody saw that coming that was not on that wasn't even on your typical internet rumor mill uh to make it to to take the already strongest league in college athletics and to add two heavyweight brands to uh, to the pot so when i look at that you know and and when he dresses the like here's the other thing too he's going to address the media today for whatever it is an hour um and, and that'll be broadcasted on the sec network and, and a lot of sec fans will be watching, but you know who else will be watching anyone who covers college athletics Yeah. and no disrespect to the other conference commissioners out there. Uh, I think there's a couple of good ones. Uh, I, I, am I'm, I'm impressed with what the new big 12 commissioner is, is doing and trying to do. Um, but it, it doesn't move the needle nationally. Like with what they say at their press conferences, with all due respect, it doesn't, It's not of major consequence, whereas when Greg goes up there and speaks today, that is going to be national headlines all over the place, and everybody's going to be like, well, what's he thinking? What does he think about NIL? What does he think about uh, future expansion? What does he think about the state of college athletics? Everything he says is monitored because they know it's like when EF Hutton talks, people listen. When Greg Sankey talks – People listen, and they hang on every thought that he has. And that's the difference. He Because he, I think, has now garnered so much national respect that we don't have a czar of college athletics, but he's the closest thing to it. You really just
2: hit on something, and I think that's spot on. JC and Phil, it's not always actually what Greg Sankey is saying. It's what he's not saying, mm-hmm. but what he's thinking. Right to your point, point. and I think that that is what has allowed the SEC to grow. Like it's um, Don Staley mentioned this last year about how much more difficult it is to stay at the top of the mountain than to climb up there. And when you when you succeed in 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 sports and athletics, um, because now everybody's after you. And you just pointed out a minute ago, Mike, that especially during COVID, remember everybody's jumping to every conclusion. Well, here's what we're going to do. Here, there wasn't a word, a peep out of the SEC. Greg he shut everybody up, and he said, "Let's just, let's just let it all unfold and play mm-hmm. out, and let's let's take it to the end here." So he is—he's quite the observer, um, but he also understands that although this is the best league in the country and you can not just football, you can bring everything into it. There really, there's not a, there's not a league out there that's close collectively from an athletic standpoint. If you just sit back and pat yourself on the back, you're not going to be there very long. And I think that that is what's most impressive about him is, uh, working so quietly behind the scenes to continue to advance the agenda of the sec and probably ultimately college athletics overall.
4: Yeah. And he's not flashy. Like he, he, no. He's not looking to make headlines. That's not Greg's way. He's not looking to uh, be the guy that gets a juicy headline for everybody to go. Like He's he's not an attention hound. I think no. sometimes there's been a few conference commissioners, again, to use the term I used earlier, they outsmart the room, they outsmart themselves in the process. Uh, they, they try to be innovative just for the sake of being innovative and different, um, not realizing that they really might be causing their own league peril. And we've seen that time and time again. And that's not Greg's way. Uh, in, in a lot of ways, he's understated. Um, so, I look, I think the SEC has had some great leadership over the years since I've been covering it, uh, going back to, to Roy Kramer and then Mike Slive, may he rest in peace, uh, I, I thought did outstanding work. And, and now with Greg Sankey. So they've been fortunate. There, there's no question – you're walking into the best job when you get that job. There's also no question that it's the most pressure and and the most the most scrutinized of the Power Five or any league for that matter. So you've got to be ready. You've got to have some thick skin and be prepared uh, to be completely second-guessed.
2: It is eleven forty-three on this Monday, July seventeenth, twenty twenty-three SEC Media Days uh, setting to take place in Nashville. We need to hit a quick timeout. Phil, go ahead and play the one on this one. Uh, break three, and we'll just take a quick one so we can maximize our time here. An hour one with Mike Morgan when we return. Some of the conference-wide storylines and more here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show from the Cinerama Studios.
5: in MLS 2229 LON MLS 1772182
2: Segment here at hour one. Jason will be back in just a just a quick second had to handle something. Did I run him off? Does that? What no, happened? no, Phil. Uh, you get the text. Apparently, so. he's uh, yeah. yeah wait, wait, <laughs> apparently, it's, he's
1: it's, he's got his uh, yeah, microwave and his internet on a, on the same breaker, and uh, they can't <laughs> operate <laughs> and exist at the same time. He's like he's like cousin Eddie.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, he yeah. He forgot his like, name and pissed himself. Yeah, he's yeah. not going to
4: gift the cat, is he? I, <laughs> Is he a member of the Jello of the Month Club? Because I know that's I the am. gift that keeps on giving. There, Kaiser, it really is. <laughs> it is. It's,
1: uh,
2: yeah, you know, you just never know these days. That's for sure. Doing live programming from your home. That's why I'm on the third floor. Whatever happens on the first and the second, that's between them. Um, all right, uh, Mike. Uh, we'll we'll get much more in, in, in when we turn it over in the noon hour and some of the actual specific team type. Um, uh, not issues, but topics uh, that that could be discussed this week. One uh, that I don't think a lot of people have paid much attention to, but I'm just going to leave that tease out there for now, and we'll get to it at the top of the hour. As far as the conference goes, though, the league itself—uh—are there pressing issues? Is there something that Greg Sankey probably needs to have at the top of his list to be addressed? What is the burning? question or questions, or are there any entering this year's version of media days?
4: Well, there's no way, even though it's resolved temporarily, there's no way, uh, he's going to avoid a question about a nine game conference slate and whether or not that's going to happen and when it's going to happen. I think most of us believe it is going to happen. Um, yeah, I've talked to some people and I don't want to get too deep into the weeds here. Uh, But there's no question that when you go to an extra conference game, you would like to be compensated for the extra conference game. And as people have probably seen in the news, this wasn't exactly the best time to get extra compensation. Um, That doesn't mean that won't be revisited. (laughs) Not at all. Like I could totally see that. Now, there are, as I always say, like this is the SEC office is not a dictatorship. So you don't just heavy-handedly say, I want nine, and therefore everybody gets nine. There clearly were some coaches, which which then speak to their ADs, who then speak to their school presidents that said, no, eight's just fine. So it's not like this was not a unanimous situation that everybody wanted nine either. But I still think the majority is going to prevail on this. And when the terms are right, we'll get to nine. So that question is going to come up. And uh, I'm sure Greg will be very diplomatic in the way he handles it because there is no new news, but it's still very much a subject that is going to be relevant a couple of years from now, because it can, we we only have the, the schedule set for the 23, 24 seasons. After that, we're, there's plenty of wiggle room to change a whole lot of stuff. So, so that'll come up, you know, the, the typical stuff that, prevails over all of college athletics whether it's nil uh whether it's the transfer portal you know re- recruiting periods and contact periods which jc knows more than anybody in the world about uh those things aren't going away uh every time i talk to coaches they're just downright pissed guys they, they are miserable human beings when they talk about the state of the, the the not even the rules, it's the lack of rules that they're now operating in. Um and, and then the few rules that we do have are not exactly coach friendly. And I realize some people just want to audit their reflex reaction is to go, oh boo hoo, you make eight point five million dollars a year, deal with it. But but is that really the the message we want to send? Like because they make a lot of money, we should no. make them miserable and make them well, they make, won't
2: be here that long.
4: Well, yeah. Exactly. Nobody's right. going to
2: keep doing that. That's I think right. to, to your point, and J.C. to get you in on this here, I think one of the things that uh, the commission has been vocal about recently is the transfer portal window and trying to trim it from 60 to 35. Um, and now there are other things, of course, that, that coaches are a little bit frustrated with. But let's just hold the phones for a second here because all we've done – for 20 years is listen to basically what you just described, Mike, these coaches, they can just up and do whatever they want to do. They get paid a bunch of money. They can run around and leave whenever they want. And that's true. Um, there, but they're also under this thing as you are Mike Morgan. I'm not Phil's not JC has one. They're called contracts. So you can't just get up and walk out the door. That's it. I'm gone. So, you know, Players now actually can do that, okay? My point, though, circling back to Greg Sankey, is he has made some comments, interestingly, here and there, that show me, and if you're paying attention, show the public, that he's listening to the coaches in the league, and he's listening to the ADs, and he's listening to the presidents, and he is concerned not only about the quality of the league, but he's concerned about the quality of life of those within it. And those are the faces of the league. When he speaks, like you, that 60 to 35 thing, you talked about the recruiting calendar. It's it's very rare that we see these um, commissioners speak eloquently, but he doesn't use a lot of words. He says it very few words, but it's enough to know I'm listening, I have your back, you do have leadership, and we're working on it. And I think that that's something – that makes all these coaches very respectful of the job he does.
4: Was that to J.C.? Is well, J.C. It's frozen? Not, J.C. is frozen. JC, J.C. is like uh, – He takes the lead. <laughs> he's like Harrison Ford in uh, – <laughs> Empire Strikes Back. He, he, he just got frozen. Actually, I don't
2: even think he's frozen. I think he was just doing that. And no, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> but, but you just can take
4: – It's meditation.
2: You yes. see what I'm talking about, though. My, I'll, I'll let you take it from there because, you know, it, it does show some leadership. And that's not the that's not always the case in these leagues when you get these powerful yeah. people that are running. Well,
4: and, and look, the other thing is and, – and I know non-SEC fans are like, oh, this is so nauseating. They're going to talk about how uh, – Great, great, Sankey in the SEC is, but facts are facts. Like he, he's the one guy that can move the needle. Like it can, if it can be done, he's the guy that can do it. I'm not sure if Jim Phillips of the ACC is moving the needle. Uh, the pack, as we just talked about, I mean, they're just holding onto the iceberg uh, or the patch of ice, like like DiCaprio you know he's sitting there and, and moving his legs while what's her name is getting all cozy and waiting for the rescue boat uh you know that that's where the pack is they got bigger things to worry about i like your mac i, I mentioned this before i like your mac over there at the big 12 but but for right now the SEC, when it comes to actually legislation that has to be the, the the ones that the part of it that has to be unilateral um excuse me not unilateral uh has to be uh kind of ubiquitous it has to be for every conference where you don't have a separate rule that that is going to be led by greg sankey because the question becomes well if not then who if it's not greg sankey kind of leading the way on that because they're all again they all look he he determines what direction the wind blows when it comes to all these things he really does so yeah i mean look he cares uh not just about there was a great interview and i'm not a big joel clatt guy Um, but there was a great interview one-on-one that, that, that they did a couple of weeks ago and, and which, what I got from that too, and Joel did a good job of bringing this up is that this is Greg is not just concerned about the health of the league. He's health about the state of college athletics as a whole. The two don't have to be mutually exclusive. You know, this is not where like you're McDonald's and you're doing everything you can to drive Burger King and Wendy's out of business. That's not the way this works. If you drive everybody else out of business, you don't have the same quality product. Right. The SEC is fantastic, but if the SEC only has the SEC, college football is not as strong. Like you 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 want some you want some geographical balance. You want some other things to be healthy as well. Yes, you want to continue your dominance in the sport and you want to continually play for national championships more than any other league, but that doesn't mean you're rooting for the demise of everybody else. And I don't think that's what, I don't think that's what Greg is, is is looking for either. JC, do you think that
2: Greg Sankey is trying to position himself to, if they ever go to a true leadership model in college athletics to be the guy that's, that's chosen to run it all. Like the commissioner of college athletics. I think he's having a difficult time with his internet today, Mike. Yeah, Do you think really that? Is.
4: Well, I'll, I'll handle that until we defrost uh, JC. <laughs> I, I don't think – first off, I don't have enough confidence that that organization will all of a sudden take place, where basically uh, there will be – you know, like uh, Tim Brando, who we've had on the podcast a number of times, where, where he finally – where we finally get to the point where there's a true czar of college football. I just don't have enough faith in that to happen for all the things that are bad about the NCAA. The one thing it does well is organize things. Mm -hmm. It organizes the other 89 championships and the other 89 sports that are not college football. The NCAA is basically a great event planner. That's their strength. Everything else they suck at, but they're a great event planner to, to ask all these conferences and their cash cow, which is football to look out for the better good of the, of college athletics by kind of sacrificing some of their own, that type of magnanimous, uh, actions. I don't know if I expect that. And so therefore I don't think we're going to have a czar of college football anytime soon. Would Greg Sankey be the best candidate? Sure. Sure. He would. Would he be interested in leaving? I mean, something tells me the sec would say, Greg, how much is it going to cost to keep you? <laughs> Money is not an object here. We're not going to let you go. Uh, we're going to offer whatever they offer. Yeah, we got that plus $5 million. I mean, I, I just can't see that happening. So my guess would be to your question, and it's a good one. No, I, I don't see that happening in the near future.
2: Which, by the way, I learned this morning out of, the, out of Greg San- Sankey's mouth, he does not have an agent. He has an attorney who looks over his contracts yeah. to make well, sure. Yeah. So, but he said I, I do
4: my own negotiating and yeah. I have an agent, which is I don't yeah, I don't think he needs one, quite frankly. No. Yeah. Uh no. you know those of us uh <laughs> those of us in, in broadcasting, many of us have one and, and kinda need one. Uh, it's it's been a relief for me to have one just to handle things that I don't wanna handle. Um, but but that that's a different deal for Greg Sankey. He's got his his path is pretty much set for as long as he wants to run that conference, and I don't think he's in a hurry to get out.
1: No, I imagine his negotiation looks a lot like him writing down numbers on a piece of paper with a year in terms and sliding across the table. Yeah, that's about right. He seems like a
2: napkin guy, like sitting in the airport, you know. it's I've like, decided on ten years, forty million. I'll just uh, drop this napkin off on my way into the office, and um, and whoever gets back to me will get back to me. He just seems. Yeah. <laughs>
4: I wish we could all just be napkin guys. Those were easier times. <laughs> That's right. Right? Simpler, times. Simpler times, better times. Just write it down to the what? napkin. You don't like where we are now? I think it's I think it's wonderful. Give me that. Excuse me, waitress. Another uh, napkin and a pen. <laughs> Tommy want wingy. I've got another idea. <laughs> Tommy want wingy. Tommy want wingy. Oh man! Turn those fires right. back on. Come on. <laughs>
2: Chicken wings. We are at the end of our number one on uh, this Monday morning. It's hot wherever you are. We know that it's hot, freaking everywhere, and it's been yeah. nothing different here in the Palmetto State. Mike Morgan going to stick around for another segment or so with us as well. JC is working on some issues and we'll get them.
4: You know what it is done? We, we, can I let the cat out of the bag? I mean, we are going to do this on a regular basis and call it the power hour. Mm -hmm. We have stolen JC's power (laughs) for the power hour. We have basically (laughs) siphoned off all of his power and put it into this action packed Mm -hmm. segment. So we're going to have to call up the utility companies, get some extra juice, because this segment is going to require it. That's right.
2: It, he, as he says, he lives in uh, the uh, state of Illinois. You just never know up there with the leadership. So someone might have just do. cut it off. They decided people's they wanted. to I think that's it.
4: legal there. I think you, you can okay, just steal it. people's yeah. power. It's, it's yeah. not even a misdemeanor. Yeah, that's
2: right. That's pretty <laughs> much it. When we get back, you hit on uh, Mike did hit on scheduling. There's uh, I have a question and a poll question almost for all of you to see what your response is to that, including, uh, uh, that also in that segment, we'll include new offensive coordinators in the league, some stuff from Alabama, and much more. We'll, of course, get some Gamecock topics in as well. Don't go anywhere. Mike Morgan hanging on and hanging out with us here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show built by the Barndo Co. Columbia and go game. Pops. If you're in the real estate market in the Lowcountry or even in the Midlands, please contact me, JB, with Coast to Coast Realty SC. You hear me and see me every day here on Inside the Gamecocks, and it would be an honor to earn your business. I've been around real estate my entire life, as it's somewhat of a family business. I work with an elite team of experts from loans to insurance to closing, and they make my clients and my life very easy. It really is elite. Coast to coast realty SC.com is where you can find our staff and you can always reach out to me here as well. Go Gamecocks.
0: Coach Joe here. And when
3: I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award winning as well, and they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online, nanasporch.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O signing off. Endless of summer, go Tiger.
5: Ladies and gentlemen, here it is.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Been... He got it. He's hey. in.
2: They
3: paid the bill. J.C.
2: Sherbert. We I paid for the probably.
3: upgrade. Just... No, I, mean, I was like, you know, we're, we're deciding on the plan, right? Keep in mind, you got two two teenage gamers here that play a lot. Uh, you got her working today. You got me working today. We're all streaming. We went with the, 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 the Cadillac package, right? The yeah. absolute strongest internet you can get. And it's just quirky. It's like my dog. It's like Moody. It, it, like like for a week, it went out like right at twelve fifty eight Eastern with us uh, two minutes to go on the show. Every day for like a week, twelve fifty eight. Boom, kick me off. Uh, just now we had a microwave interference. That was number one, and then number two, as it does once a month, just completely conks out for two minutes. Like it's like, hey, hang on, guys, I'm gonna go take a break.
2: Yeah. Well, that's all right.
3: I'll be right back. Ah, oh, so anyway.
2: <laughs> well, while you while miss. you were gone, we do have some news uh, to pass along here from Brett McMurphy, uh, and, and he doesn't miss if he reports it. It's generally on the SEC Media Days next year will be in Dallas officially, uh, with uh, Texas and Oklahoma joining the league. So that is yep. that's uh, it's it's not necessarily the news of. Oh, God, we, we were all waiting to find out where media days was going to be next year. It's actually it's more the fact that they're making an effort to hold their largest preseason event in the state of Texas. Um, you know. And I can only imagine if it's going to be in Dallas, what that thing's going to look like. But um, So that is news. And then also, this is kind of interesting news as well. Clark Lee, it was announced by Vanderbilt today that he's been extended Here's the issue with the announcement. There are literally no details. No length of time. No, nothing.
4: Just private hey guys, school. We, private, yeah, yep, private, private school. school you don't have food. to release anything. <laughs> okay. Somebody told me once a figure on Jerry Stackhouse's salary, and I don't know if it was accurate or not, but it was like, it was, It kind of blew me away. Um, but wow. y- there's no way to really check that. They don't have to release it.
2: Well, no, they I and that's fine.
4: As far as far as the other one, because I don't I don't know if uh, Clark Lee is going to send chills down the spines of uh, of Gamecock fans out there. But and I like Clark, by the way, I I, I, I think too. he's a, I think he's a good fit, uh, much better than than the last one that they had there, which just seemed like a just kind of out of the box hire that didn't necessarily fit. Um, disaster. <laughs> That's another way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah,
3: no, I mean, he, he took over a nine-win team with 18 starters back and decided to, oh, I don't, decided to, like, be Stanford. Right. and 8 in the SEC. I called that. I caught so much hell from the 12 Vanderbilt fans in Nashville. <laughs> they were calling me. They, they said, go lay, go lay with your – the, the direct quote, I sh- crap you not, go lay with your Gamecock bedfellows.
2: Bedfellows? Because I pick, I picked
3: Vandy to go zero eight in, in hey. 2014, and damn it if they didn't do it.
2: Yeah, <laughs> how's All that right. for your bedfellows? They aren't yeah. this year, though. I'm going back now, to my I, I, I my reliable two Mason. and six. Yeah. I
3: like. I'm sorry. If, I'm sorry for interrupting you, Mike.
4: Go go ahead. No, no, yeah, no. I, 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 it, it kind of brings me back. I mean, I remember when the hire was made, uh, and again, there, there are various national media members that wanted the hire to work, so they told you it was a great hire. And so that just kind of perpetuates itself into the narrative like, oh, okay, well, every all these guys that cover college football tell me it was a brilliant hire, therefore it must be a brilliant hire. And then you take a closer look, and it wasn't a brilliant hire at all. <laughs> and then uh, they, they weren't just losing games. They were getting scorched. And then when they beat a Tennessee program that's just completely underwater with all the – drama that they've had uh you know he's dancing like like he just won a national championship it's like no you're six and six um but yeah going back to the other one i'd I'd heard about dallas for a while and make no mistake about it jerry jones wanted this uh and, and what what the sec under its leadership is doing now and they're one of the few leagues that can do this they are taking their media days and making it an event, almost like the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. So the NFL draft used to be in the same city, in the same place, radio, music hall, uh, every year. And then they realized, hmm, now we can bid this out, and we can make a lot of money, and we can expand the brand, if you will, and that's what the SEC is doing. So they are making this – I mean, look, the SEC network is has got, like, 90-something hours of coverage of these four days. And yeah, you can justify it because people are going to watch. I don't know if they're going to do that for any other league in the country. Uh, And so, yeah, Dallas and Jerry and that stadium, they wanted this to be there. I'm sure this doesn't exactly make the Big 12 feel great because for the longest time that's been Big 12 country, you know, and and now all of a sudden the SEC is kind of planting its flag and going, nope, we're here now. You guys had a nice run, but this is this is our area. This is our territory. Well, I,
2: of course, if you're the Big Twelve, you know you're saying, "Hey, look, the two teams, the one team in Texas that you know made it to the playoff last year was not A and M, and it did not have Hookum associated with it. It was TCU." So, <laughs> well, I, I thought Yormack
4: uh, had a great line on that, uh, Jamie, and that was somebody asked, "Like, how concerned are you that you're losing Texas and Oklahoma?" And he's like, "The last time I checked, they had not been in the in the Big Twelve championship game." Much Ooh. at all the last five years, Uh-oh. and he's right. Oklahoma, Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Ohio, husband, he, he, it, was, it was it was it was more about Texas it, last it's year. It's all sports. about
3: Texas. Texas yeah. only won the Big Twelve three times in however long that league's yeah. come up. That's I mean, right. That's right. They've and had course, they've had two really great teams at Texas. Well,
2: and I think that's a valuable point, JC. I mean, the SEC, the whole country is celebrating these two. Programs coming into the league, it is really only going to strengthen it. But which which team is going to add more
4: instant impact
2: as far as th- the top of the league, right? Is right it-
4: now, it's Texas. I mean, they're, they're, their roster is just so far ahead mm-hmm. of what Oakland – I don't think people truly appreciated what Venables inherited or what he did not inherit uh, because oh. of the portal because of the and I had an Oklahoma game last year. I mean, I I got to, to, to sit there and talk to the coaches and go in those meeting rooms and and really put the roster under a microscope. And I'm sitting there looking at it and I'm like, this is good, but it ain't Oklahoma good. Because when you lose a Lincoln Riley and he takes a a perhaps number 1 pick in the draft quarterback with him and some other players with him and then other players bolt for here there and everywhere. That does not look like an Oklahoma roster. And so I don't think people were ready for that. And so what did they do after disappointing loss after disappointing loss and a couple of embarrassing losses, there was a lot of anti-venable sentiment that the guy Mm -hmm. is in over his head and it's going to be a complete disaster of a hire. And look, I'm not saying that's impossible. I'm just telling you, he didn't have a chance to have a typical Oklahoma year with that roster. Uh, Two years from now, three years from now, maybe Oklahoma gets back, and they would assume their dominance over Texas, which they have, as JC pointed out. I mean, they've just been the better program for the last, going back to to Bob Stoops and then and then Lincoln Riley. Uh, but it's going to take a couple of years to get to get some of those pl- Oklahoma type players uh, back in Norman, because they, they last year was clearly not. That was just not a top-10 roster, and we're used to seeing Oklahoma being the top-10 every year. To your – yeah, go ahead.
2: ahead.
3: uh, I'll just say this uh, about Oklahoma last year, too. You know, they really struggled towards the middle of the season. But but if you look at it, they did win Bedlam again. That's important. Mm -hmm. Uh, Played Texas Tech in a shootout. And then gave Florida State really – a team that a lot of people have top five, top top ten this year. Yeah, yeah. All they wanted in what was basically a road game. I agree, the talent wasn't there. I do think he's recruiting very well on defense. Um, yeah. And and you know to the overall point, I'll throw it to you, JB. I, I'm mixed on this. Part of me thinks uh, they're going to struggle. You know, Texas uh, until they go better than eight and five, eight and four. That they're still that team. I mean, they've got all the talent in the world, but they're still that team. Oklahoma, obviously, as Mike pointed out, has issues because they got, they did get gutted by Lincoln Riley leaving. Um, you know, and, and, and I think, well, you know, they're just not ready. I mean, sure, they're going to get up to play Alabama. Everybody does. But what happens when they go to Mississippi State for a 11 a.m. Central kickoff one day, and they're like, well, we're the mighty Texas Longhorns. We're just going to roll in and roll over you. And they get hit in the mouth, and the cowbells are going, and they just get ambushed but I thought the same thing would happen to Texas A&M and Missouri. And it did to a certain extent with Missouri the first year, and then it didn't. Mm -hmm. And it didn't A&M at all. They've been between 7 and 11 wins, uh, despite having been a 6 and 6 team when they came into the league. You know, so sometimes when you get thrown in the pool, you swim. Uh, Sometimes you don't. My other theory on that is this. I think when Missouri and A&M came into the league, you know, uh, yeah, LSU and A&M kind of historical rivalry. Uh, yeah, Alabama was cool to play them because of the history with the coaching changes there and stuff. But did anybody really go? Oh man, A&M! I'm fired up to play. Or Missouri? My God, they're on the schedule now. Everybody in this league is going to be fired up to play Texas and Oklahoma. So, no so doubt. that's a that's a part of it too. That you know, A&M kind of took the league by surprise, and then Missouri did the next two years. I don't know that any they're gonna, the Longhorns and, and Sooners just because of who they are, are going to sneak up on anybody.
2: They're not. They're in not. Fact, they're going to be
3: circled every game. They'll be
5: circled.
2: I think the issue. I think what they're about to figure out when they get and Mike, you'll know this better than anybody because you've been in every ballpark in the league. But I think what they're about to discover is that the middle class of this league is is what actually truly makes it so valuable. We know the top of the league every year is going to be somebody: Alabama, Georgia. LSU, whomever it may be, there's the SEC is always going to have somebody at the top of the league. It's the blue collar games where you get caught in the middle class of this league and you look up at the end of the year and you go, damn, we're four and four in the league or we're five and three in the league or, you know, whatever it may be. That's it's not like that in other leagues. It's it's not as deep in the middle.
4: No, I mean, look, the 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 big 10, which is kind of like, you know, the the clear-cut number two right there's the sec number one there's the big 10 number two and then there's this chasm before you get to big 12 acc and again whatever the pack is going to be whatever it's going to look like the big 10 now granted last year was a little bit of an aberration where you had simultaneously so many middle of the pack programs down at the same time like a wisconsin like a michigan state but for the most part that's an ohio state michigan league the SEC is not just a Georgia-Alabama league, okay? LSU just won a national title a few years ago, uh, and by the way, they're my pick to win the West again this year. Tennessee clearly uh, on the rise. A&M, if they ever do figure it out with Bobby Petrino or what have you, you know, maybe they're the the, the next uh, great thing. We've seen Florida have glimpses. We've seen uh, Ole Miss have glimpses, and you know, you go back to last year. When you go back to Spurrier's heyday. Obviously, we've seen the Gamecocks have glimpses. That's the difference. I mean, that's just with all due respect, and and JC can tell you on on JC and Morgan. I've I've waved a flag for the Big Twelve. I I I, I like that league. I've called several games in that league, but it it just doesn't have it doesn't stack up top to bottom like the SEC and the, and nobody nobody does. It, to JC's point, you know, when you get thrown in the pool, sometimes you got to swim. I think. Oklahoma's recruiting can only be helped by being in the in the SEC. I mean, Texas has has been a consistent recruiting winner, right? So it's like how much how much better that can they do than the top ten classes that they produce every year anyway? I don't I don't know how much better they can do. I expect Oklahoma to get a, a, a bump in recruiting. The only thing about the Oklahoma bump is that if you go back to all those really good Oklahoma teams under Lincoln Riley, so many of them were that good based on what based on a transfer quarterback that wanted to play for Lincoln Riley and wanted to play in his system. Even if Venables hits a home run and everything he does and is the great defensive mind. And he proved to be at Clemson and he recruits well, and he's got juice back in the program and Norman, our quarterbacks going to line up to play in whoever the OCs. Did they make a change in the OC this year? I can't remember. Um, At Oklahoma. Yeah. no, it's, it's still,
3: I, Jeff Jeff Levy, uh, which is son? Uh, yeah. okay, yeah, okay, Art Ryle's son-in-law. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's, and, and look, I have Le- Le- a note on
4: that too. And Levy, yeah. look, Levy, high system. Yeah, yeah, Levy did great things at Ole Miss. Like they are, they are pumped about that hire. Um, Levy did a lot, did a lot of good things. He didn't just all of a sudden forget how to coach. Clearly, the personnel was was not great. Dylan Gabriel is not a great college quarterback. He he just isn't. I I was told that by UCF fans going into that. He wasn't great at UCF. He's not going to be great at Oklahoma. Um, but, but my my initial point, I don't know if they're going to get all of these like first-round draft picks to all of a sudden decide they want to play for Jeff Lebby the way they did. Lincoln Riley developed in a quick, quick amount of time. He developed a rep as, I am the quarterback whisperer. Mm-hmm. I am a guy that you come here – You are going to put up ridiculous numbers, compete for Heisman trophies and be perhaps the number one pick in the draft. And he backed it up time and time again. There's very few guys in college football, even Lane Kiffin and some of the other ones that can truly lay claim to that. And so losing him wasn't just a loss and, you know, rocks the boat. It ruins your continuity. It, it, It takes a guy that could get the number 1 transfer quarterback every year in a time where we are basically in free agent in college football. You don't have that now without Lincoln Riley. By the way, as we head to break here, trivia question for
2: all of you. Do you, any of you know who the last sitting head coach was that was hired by the University of Oklahoma? Uh, the, wait a minute. Say that again. The last sitting head coach. Remember... Yes, they had Lincoln Riley and Bob Stoops. Neither one of them were head coaches before they were hired by the Sooners, right? Stoops was in right. Florida, huh. w- and, and
4: Blake wasn't
2: either. No, and that was so a disaster who, among who, all disasters. Who was the Who was the last sitting head coach? A, a head coach who was, and it wasn't Switzer.
4: Was it, wasn't Howard,
3: from, Schnellen- wasn't it was Howard Schnellen? What Schnellen- was
4: Howard Schnellenberger? Yeah, he, <laughs> he was still at Louisville. Yeah. Was he still
3: at Louisville? Yeah, that was, he that's was a right. Question. Yeah. That's and then he was then there
2: anyway. for one year. He quit in December. He said that the climate had changed. Okay.
4: That's that's right. That's, old Schnelly. That's who a, there should you go. be in the College Football Hall of Fame. Yes. Is he not in the Hall of Fame? No. Is it what? his winning percentage? I can't remember. Does if, if, if he fall short of the 60% necessary? Um, which is a terrible rule, by the way. Yeah. Um, But he is not in the College Football Hall of Fame. That's a joke. Wow, that's unbelievable.
2: I mean, yeah. I, I I would even give him. I know that it didn't end well, but I would even give him credit for what he did down at Florida Atlantic. Absolutely, he did
3: really well there. He went one fifty eight, one fifty one. Well,
4: first off, he's the reason why they have football at Full Atlantic. Yeah, they don't have exactly. it without him. Like, seriously, like behind the scenes, he yeah. basically did all of that. He got in the stadium. He got them funding. He was, he was, he was out there. You know. With the, with the hat and running bake sales, like, please, uh, we can have football here in Boca. And if you know anything about Boca, there ain't anything about Boca that feels like college football. <laughs> it just doesn't. No. So he he pulled off a miracle <laughs> no. just to get that program alive. But, yeah, I mean, and he also took Miami, which was a perennial joke of a program. If you watch the, the uh, documentary, The U, um, go back and look at what Miami football was. There was talk they were just going to give up on college football until Schnellenberger did what he did and he changed the recruiting philosophy and uh, the rest is is he set it up for Jimmy who set it up for Dennis who yeah you know. but uh, he, he he should be a hall of famer for sure.
3: He did the state of Miami. He he's the one drew the map, said okay here here's what we're going to do. This is the right. state of Miami. We're going to recruit this area, which is always smart. And the, you know the coaches that haven't won at Miami are the ones that get greedy and try to go all over the country. I remember Al Golden one time signed a defensive back from Massachusetts. Good little player. I'm like, dude, bro, you could throw a rock and hit five guys from your campus yeah. <laughs> that are just as good or better than this guy. I don't care what star ratings they are. Uh, Dave yeah, Broward, he, Palm
4: Beach County. It's all you need.
3: Dave, Dave Broward, Palm Beach, Great and board. then you pop yeah. over to places like Pahokee and in, in Palm Beach, Inland Palm Beach, and then Immokalee. Over on the maybe Fort Myers on the West Coast
4: and rock and
3: roll kind of up maybe the corridor you get, you get they got some guys out of Orlando and Jacksonville too but it was primarily down there mm-hmm. and the, like those teams Butch Davis had were probably one some of the most loaded in the history of the game and a lot of those guys were like two and three star guys that Butch just followed the plan and did and Howard Stellerberger deserves that so yeah that's that's an interesting piece of trivia JB about Oklahoma I remember his one year in Oklahoma I thought oh, man, Oklahoma's about to take off again, and, boy, it was ugly. I think he went five and six and said, screw this, because you know, he wasn't a triple option guy like the rest yeah. of them and, and all that. And I, I think – and I think – I'll tell the Venables. I think you're going to see Oklahoma go back to being very defensive-minded. Like, give them five years in the SEC. Uh, you know, nobody's going back to grind it out, but I think Oklahoma will be exceptionally good on defense once they get – more good defensive recruits in there. Um, And then those have to be able to score stuff on offense. But that's my, that's my theory about where they're going. They used to have some of the best defenses in the country.
2: Fair enough. Let me tell you about football. You got to be able to stop people on defense. You got to be able to score on offense. If you could do that, you can win some games, as John Madden says all the time. You know, hey, the oh. team that scores
3: the most points wins the game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it'd be no
1: surprise to see Venable, you know, put style. together, you know, defense first. I mean, obviously, sure. I mean, because well, I mean, it should. was, I mean, That's not right? just because he's a defensive minded guy, but I mean, it was a, a recipe for success at his last job. Yeah, they're mean, recruiting. Was, you, know, you just put it together recruiting wise and you get these huge athletic guys up front on the defensive side of the ball when I mean good things are going to happen for you.
3: And they're recruiting guys from the south and stuff, defensive line. They're doing just like I mean, it they're in an IM mean. like that's the Clemson IMG connection with Venables and those guys, Bates and those guys. So they they're getting the D linemen out of Florida like Clemson did. So
2: we'll see. We are powered by Electric Bikes of Charleston, ElectricBikesCharleston.com. If you haven't been outside in the last, oh, I don't know, month, then you don't understand how hot it's been. But if you have, you understand that riding a bike for 20 miles is miserable. Why don't you just get one with a motor on it? Then you can take a beer with you. ElectricBikesCharleston.com, anywhere in the state of South Carolina. But if you're an outsider like Mike Morgan and you cross state lines, they will also allow you to purchase a bike. If you're in the low country, you do not actually have to be a resident of the Palmetto State. That's tongue-in-cheek totally. ElectricBikesCharleston.com. We need to hit a timeout. Greg Sankey, by the way, is up just a little bit, just ahead of the Dallas news breaking. I'm sure he was thrilled about that. We'll be right back. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina.
3: Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy?
1: Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests.
3: Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues, and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. You know what, Phil? Let's ask Stoneblatton.
4: Hey, JC and Phil. If you want a solution to your IT problems, give Heritage Digital a call. Our boy, Matt Odom has a low-cost, one-price solution that will get you running right. Call 843-699-1001 or HeritageDigital.com and ask for Matt. He will hook you up today and tell them stone's
2: sake. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. (laughs) (laughs) Magnum, Volatric, Invented Bikes, and more and they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better but still get great exercise bikes are available all ages and sizes electricbikescharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant Electric Bikes of Charleston powering inside the Gamecocks the show
1: trusted.
0: Electric us
4: fight the Electric Let's fight
2: Spencer Rattler's keeping cigars in his uh, travel bag this fall. That's probably a good sign for well, Gamecock yeah. football. Yeah, it let's works.
1: hope he's got 12 of them in, uh, individually wrapped. Uh,
2: <laughs> I know he's ready done ready some traveling yeah. lately, too, so they might be the, the nice Cuban ones. If not, Mike's in Florida. He's close enough. We'll send him over there and see if he can't make it back with a with a – with a few of them for old Spencer Rattler. Mike, I do have a Spencer Rattler question for you real quick. There are, there are, I don't know if you realize this per the sec network this morning. And I didn't, I knew it was up there, but I didn't know it was this high 10, 10 new offensive coordinators this year in the league. Ooh, That's a lot. There are 14 these schools. Too. That's yeah. a lot.
4: Yeah. And, and a lot of new starting quarterbacks that they'll be working with. Yes. Uh, which, you know, we just had Aaron Murray on, all time SEC passing leader, and we had him kind of break down the quarterback position this year. And I think it's a very good crop, but I don't think you're going to have the overall production that you had last year because you had so many guys under center or in the shotgun who knew exactly what it was like to be a starting quarterback in the SEC and had already had a level of success under their belt, and so they continued to shine another year. This year, I mean, is Joe Milton going to be a stud, or is he going to be the guy that, you know, the, the nuke Lelouch of the SEC that can throw it 100 miles an hour but can't put it over the plate? Um, there's, there's question marks at <laughs> Ole Miss has got to figure out which guy they're going to start. I think it's going to be Jackson Dart. Um, sure you got will rogers at mississippi state and yes you got spencer rattler who if you just build on the momentum of the last three games of a year ago should have a terrific year in columbia and you've also got your top receiver back i mean there's just no reason why he can't be and i didn't feel this way last year and i was very uh uh honest about it i didn't think Spencer Rattler was going to be an all SEC quarterback I just thought there was too many proven commodities in that league and he hadn't seen he hadn't gone through the gamut yet this year could be different I mean this year Spencer Rattler should have a ton of confidence a ton of comfort um I realize there's a new offensive coordinator I'm sure there's some GameCut fans that probably feel like that's a good thing at least they did before all of a sudden it was going right um but but I I think Spencer Rattler has a chance to have one of the best years in the SEC of the SEC quarterback club, if you will. I, you know, Alabama hasn't figured it out yet. Georgia has a guy that, again, some people will tell you he's going to just walk right in, plug and play and they're going to dominate again. And of course, he's got a ton of help. He's got the best tight end in college football. He's got improved receivers. He's got a really good offensive line and they've always got guys who can tote the rock in the backfield in Athens. So, he doesn't have the near as much uh, pressure in terms of having to have everything on his shoulders. But there's still question marks there. Come a big game, you know, is, is that going to say what you want about Stetson Bennett? The, the dude was pretty clutch. He's going to be in the College Football Hall of Fame, as insane as that sounds. Believe it. Stetson Bennett will be in the College Football Hall of Fame based on resume. On resume. Um, but there's a lot of question marks out there. At, at other places. I don't know what to expect at a Graham Mertz at Florida. Oh. Um, you know, Mike, think
2: about that for a second.
4: Yeah. It doesn't seem like
2: there's anything I don't want to say anything good, but that is probably the most interesting transfer in the league this year because I don't understand the fit. And you know as well as any of us here, running down to Florida and going seven and five this year. It's not what they're after. Well, that'd be an improvement
4: over last year where they went six it, it and would, seven. But, but uh, still. No, no, you're right. I mean, that's the thing. Like, they'll turn on Billy Napier in a heartbeat. Yeah. I, I, I promise you. Um, they will They will turn on him as they turned on Dan Mullen, as they turned on Jim McElwain, as they turned on Will Muschamp, as they turned on Ron Zook. Like, there's a track record of Florida coaches that didn't get off to great starts and the fan base decided after a couple of years, pff, toss him. Um, Billy did some good things at Louisiana, and he was there to really improve on recruiting. Well, they have done that. JC tells me this. And uh, and based on the rankings, I guess they have. Um, but this is not like a four-year rebuild plan in Gainesville for Billy Napier. They better do something this year. And if you look at the Vegas odds, I think they're predicted the win like Five and a half games, so yeah. that's that's going to be uh, very interesting. Yeah, I, and it's not just Graham Mertz. I mean, I don't, I don't know who on that offense really scares people. What are you game for, Like I, it, My,
2: I would just throw this out there: might not want to lose to Vandy again this year. No, you definitely no. don't want
4: to do that. And uh, and that was, uh, th- there was no excuse for that in year one. You you didn't have the most talented team, but you had enough to to certainly win a couple of the games that you should have and they started off i mean they win the game against utah in in dramatic fashion at that point you know everybody is on the anthony richardson bandwagon and i realized he was a top 10 pick but anthony richardson in terms of college football was not a very good player he just wasn't he was completely erratic he was inaccurate Uh, for every highlight he made he just he just didn't make simple throws and simple reads and i was told that he was going to struggle with that before the season ever started uh, by Shane Matthews, who uh, you know we've had on our podcast, and, and I go on his from time to time. So uh, they have to figure things out. But that's that's the theme of a lot of programs in terms of quarterback play this year. For every K.J. Jefferson, Spencer Rattler, uh, uh, Jaden Daniels, who I think, when it's all said and done, might put together the best season of any SEC quarterback this year. As you can tell, I'm pretty high on LSU. And maybe yeah. a little bit of recency well, bias. I had him in the in the uh spring football game, but he's going to be better this year. He's he's bigger, he's stronger, and he's got a ton of talent around him. Well I, I think that's
2: fair. Guys, I was you know, I was on with Bill this morning and he made a really good point. And this has to do with Jaden Daniels, but it really mostly has to do with Brian Kelly, not to get too far off here, but to kind of combine the, the two subjects, Mike. If Ed Orgeron, who is that's JC's, you know, buddy, they're hot tub <laughs> friends. If Ed Orgeron and Les Miles can go to LSU and win national championships, why on planet Earth can't Brian Kelly, right?
4: Listen, and JC can definitely vouch for this. I I was defending Brian Kelly uh, last year after the the Florida State loss, which somehow was his fault that the guy missed a kick. Um, And by (laughs) the way, Florida State was pretty good. Uh, There were a lot of people – There's there's simply a lot of people who don't like Brian Kelly and why I have no idea. I've only dealt with him with him twice in person, and he could not be a nicer human being. Um, So he talked with a phony southern accent. I get it. Ha ha ha. (laughs) That was but there were people that didn't like him before that. Yeah. And and that the the glee that people had when he lost to Florida State last year. It wasn't just people that hated LSU. That's natural rivalry stuff. There was a little bit. I can always sense this stuff. Um, For whatever, there's various reasons why some people out there don't like Brian Kelly. Uh, Does not make any sense to me. Good dude, hell of a coach, and is going to win in Baton Rouge, and he's going to win big. So, yes, to your point, there's no reason why he can't win a national title. He's got more talent in Baton Rouge than he ever had in South Bend. And he did pretty well at Notre Dame as well.
3: All time winning as coach there. I like him because he's not a guy that was born on third and thinks he had a triple.
4: Right. He worked his right. way up. His name could be
3: sure Jay, Jamie Bradford or Mike Morgan or Phil Mullinax or JC Sherbert. He won at Grand Valley State. He was there 10 years. Y'all know how cold it is there? Hmm. Cold. Yeah. Yeah. Central Michigan, Cincinnati, Notre Dame. All time winning as coach in Notre Dame history. One more than Rockney, one more than Holtz, one more than Parsegian. All right. That's a great One point, more than Dan basically. Devine. Yeah. And I think it took them as far as they can go until they get off their academic selectiveness at Notre Dame uh, and wanted a job where he can go get better athletes to put him over the top. I don't blame him. I mean, he's hated up here in Chicago. He's just despised. Because left. Kelly left Notre Dame crying and dry. Give me a beef sandwich and a beer and just go kick him in the nuts.
1: Well, that's how he felt about in Cincinnati too, right? Isn't that where it kind of started? He
3: did kind of leave with his,
1: you know, yeah. And there's no good way to leave.
3: No, when you're (laughs) in Grand Valley State, ten years, yeah, (laughs) you have paid your dues, okay? You have paid your dues, yeah. Uh, And nobody wants to talk about that. I mean, Marcus Freeman, who really has done nothing to deserve the Notre Dame job, other than be the DC there when Kelly left. Yeah. Right. Nothing.
4: And for how yeah, long?
3: Yeah, he was the guy that worked for the guy, whatever. The country explodes in joy when he gets that job. When Lincoln Riley was promoted, everybody, ex- oh, my God, the wonder whatever, blah, blah, blah. Arguably, Lincoln Riley got that job rather early in his career as a power five coordinator, 34 years He'd old. only been it. Minutes, nothing to deserve it. And, and that got more hype than Lincoln Riley. I mean, then Brian Kelly getting an LSU job.
2: Yeah, I agree. And Lincoln Nobody was only said, there for two don't really years.
3: People really celebrate work anymore. Well, and Brian I, Kelly has worked.
2: I think we've learned that the large majority of people uh, they hear things and read things and do zero research on their own, and they just formulate no. opinions and they fall in line, and that's <laughs> it. Uh, th- they're telling me to celebrate this, so I'll celebrate it, right? You know, it's yeah, it doesn't make any sense, but um, that's. Nature of the beast. All right, Mike. Final one. We'll get you out of here. Um, I I mentioned all the new OCs. I I think that um, it's it's interesting in the fact that Alabama brings in Tommy Reese. Speaking of Notre Dame, Hmm. but they also brought in Notre Dame's quarterback Tyler Buckner, Hmm. uh, uh, both of whom had uh, something to do with defeating South Carolina in the bowl game. You look up the road in Lexington. You've got Devin Leary transferring in from NC State, and and your boy. Next time you talk to Chris Doring, he did it again this morning. He's back on the Kentucky, he's back train. on the bandwagon. He just <laughs> yeah. he
3: just can't get off.
2: Just I started laughing. Oh poor Chris! I mean, they, they got to be paying him right under the table or something. Well, he, no.
4: he listens to Matt Jones, and whenever he does an interview with Matt Jones, he's convinced Kentucky's going to win twelve games.
2: Oh well, shoot! We need to get him on our show then, right? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and. All of a sudden, Carolina's get he'll he'll Greg McElroy himself like Greg did back in 2014. Gamecock's going to be in the uh, in the championship. So, um, but no to his point, he did not predict 11 wins like he did last year. He said he thought they had a chance to be pretty good. he's got a good point though. Liam Cohn was a really good OC in Lexington, and, and he's back.
4: Devin yeah, Lear's a good quarterback. He's back, and there's no their offensive line was the most atrocious of any Power Five school in college football. Oh, it was it's, horrible. You asked, you asked a banged-up quarterback and Will Levis, with a leaky offensive line, two freshman wide receivers, and your best running back is suspended every other week. That's what was going on in Lexington. That is not a reflection of what the job that Mark Stoops has done and will continue to do. They will continue uh, to get kids from the Midwest that are just below the level of the kids that all flock to. Columbus, Ohio, and Ann Arbor, Michigan. And Kentucky will always be the gateway to the SEC for those Midwestern kids. So Mark Stoops realized early on the key to recruiting at Kentucky is not to go south and try to beat Georgia and Bama and Auburn and all these kids from the south. The key for Kentucky is to go north, young man, and get those tier two guys and many of them have panned out pretty well. And then now in the in the land of the of the portal, uh, they get transfers, and they get they get transfers who have done pretty well. And very often there are guys that were that, that were interested in Kentucky, but but Kentucky got beaten out by somebody else. And then what for whatever reason doesn't work at that other school, and they wind up back at Kentucky. And with Cohen's uh, reputation. As an OC and what he did with Will Levis two years ago, that's how you land a Devin Leary, and that's how you solve a court. Because they I'm telling you right now, they had nothing. If they didn't get a Devin Leary in the portal, they were in trouble. <laughs> yeah. They were in trouble. That is where the portal can save your hide. Because if you can if you don't have a quarterback that can make plays in this league, you're done. You're absolutely toast. And Kentucky was was staring that right in the eyes, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, we got Cohen. Okay, pick up the phone. We got Leary. Boom. Now we're back to being competitive Kentucky. And right, well, one I'm... of
3: the most beautifully played bowl games ever, Mark Stoops' uh, sure. offensively challenged alma mater defeated the Wildcats 21 nothing in the Music City Bowl last
2: year. Yeah, it was awesome. I love it. And Le- Levis had already
3: yeah. left, and, the, and the, the I saw the kid behind him play against Carolina. Got upside, but just clearly not ready. Yeah. Um, and uh, just wanted to point out how bad Kentucky was on, on offense.
2: Is it, but guys, like, is it a foregone? Co- is it a foregone conclusion that is starting in Alabama, or do y'all think that's a real no, competition? It's
4: not a foregone Ooh, conclusion. It's a competition. Yeah. Now, I think just one man's opinion and watching some of those other guys last year for two hours at an Alabama practice perform, it's going to be Buckner. Okay. That's my take. I could be wrong. Maybe Buckner goes in there and, you know, the eyes get big looking at an Alabama defense every week in practice. Is like, oh, man, this is – I don't know if I signed up for this. But my guess is Nick saw – Nick saw what he had in spring ball and said, we better bring somebody else in here. Mm-hmm. We 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 got to do it. I mean, they got a battering ram for a quarterback that can run, but I don't know if he's ready to do everything that you need to to be championship-level good, which is all they care about in Tuscaloosa, championship-level good in the SEC.
3: He can't throw the ball, man. I mean, he's going to have to get a lot better. And then Ty Simpson, to me, watching their spring game, I don't want to overrate the spring game. He just doesn't seem ready. Yeah, you know, I said the other guy wasn't ready. Right, Tyler Buckner can run. Tyler Buckner can throw. He's got his OC there. He's very comfortable with. He would have been Notre Dame starter of the whole year last year. He's just got to cut down on mistakes. They're not going to tolerate those types of mistakes at Alabama like he made at Notre Dame. But he cleans that up. He's a hell of a player.
4: People need to go back that, and
3: watch. Go watch yeah. him in the Gator Bowl. Watch him before that. You know.
4: Yeah, and and I'll tell you this the. Last year so much of the talk about Alabama was kind of like it's been at, at Clemson the last couple of years, like what happened to all those stud receivers? Where where I I'm looking around and like who's the go to wideout? Where's Amari Cooper? Where's Julio Jones? It, it just it, it wasn't there. But they were they were all freshmen. I mean they were all eighteen, nineteen year old kids. I am I imagine someone from that group is going to emerge as a stud. And so this year they will have more weapons on the outside than they did last. I mean, it's a miracle what Bryce Young did. No one's going to feel sorry for an Alabama quarterback, right? I mean, you are surrounded by a bunch of five-star players, but they didn't have they didn't have productive wideouts in that offense. They didn't have that. And they certainly didn't have like a you know a Bowers at, at tight end like they did in Athens. They didn't. They didn't even have your typical Alabama just running backs where you, like, give it to him 25 times and he flirts with 200 yards. Like, it just wasn't your typical supporting cast. This year, I can't imagine that it won't be better.
3: And I'll say this, they had, a, they had a really tough 2021 recruiting cycle uh, at receiver, not star rating-wise, but and, and this happens to programs. It happened to Florida in 2010, and Urban Meyer almost, you know, he left coaching for a while because of hmm. They got some bad apples. There's no other way to spin it. I mean, guys like, uh, you know, uh, IG, AG Hall, who came in from Florida. He's now at Texas because he couldn't cut it. Uh, Nick Saban even said that uh, when receivers kept getting hurt in the SEC championship game and they started to struggle. He's like, well, some of these guys don't take advantage of their opportunity. He's like, they have to do what they have. They, They have to do what they need to do to perform when they get out there and they're not doing it. And he said it again after the championship game they lost. And yeah, you're right. They are not. They have not been the same, uh, even though they did continue to recruit big time guys. These guys just haven't. I don't know if they came in with a little entitlement or they just assumed they'd be good because they're going to Bama. But uh, yeah, there, something in that 2021 class just kind of misfired on them, and you know, it, it kind of, uh, you know, I, I think they'll still I'll have to be, be young and talented at that position this year.
2: Well. We've kept you long enough, Mike. We'll end it with this while y'all discuss the things that they don't have. They do have Kevin Steele. After he didn't get the Auburn job, he drove right down the road, <laughs> took the DC job in T-town somewhere. Steve Sarkeesian's going. God, I can't wait to play in in Tuscaloosa this year. Let's see what happens. <laughs> hey, I by like- the way,
4: b- b- before we sign off, I I, uh, I was sneaking a peek at some of your. Uh, your listeners and your comments there, seventy six Gamecock. Appreciate the kind words, and yes, we're going to do this on a, a regular basis. We kind of buried the lead on that, but I'm looking forward to joining you guys. You guys more are regular the, than you know yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you, you guys are the, are the the best Gamecock show running. Um, I'm a little bit biased because I, I I know you, and I've had the pleasure of working with JC for a long time, and Jamie uh the charleston show coming on with you for quite a bit but uh you guys have done amazing work here in a short amount of time and i certainly value uh my time when i when i do these but this is going to be a lot of fun so uh to gamecock nation i look forward to uh to chatting with you and hearing from you and, and joining this show uh throughout the
2: year Poor Tiffany. Oh my God! That's Mike Morgan. Hello. Yeah, Mike. I saw yes. that it, earlier. It's yeah. not actually Kaiser Soze. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> 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 the greatest <laughs> trick
3: the devil ever pulled was convincing yeah. the world he <laughs> didn't exist. Right.
4: Yeah. I'm, maybe I maybe I should have been a little careful with that. Somebody might take that literally. Nope. Uh, no big deal. You
3: should have come on and been like, when I was in a barbershop quartet in Scooby,
4: Illinois. (laughs) Wait,
2: that's not Kaiser Soze. That's Mike Morgan. The
4: other thing that we do uh, on on J.C. and Morgan, we just started doing this. We call it Five and Dimers. We we pick three movies every week, and we decide if it's a fiver, when it's on, we've seen it at least five times, a dimer, ten, and then there's none of the above. There's some movies, like J.C. picked one the other day that I'd never even seen, uh, but we, which we is started. a dimer
1: for me, by the way, Mike. That was one I was like, "Was yeah, <laughs> really?" Yeah. Oh, yeah. Beyond that, yeah, quick yeah, change, so I yeah, mean, for sure, man. I'm not criticizing it. I, I,
4: literally, no, I yeah. literally never even heard of it, which is hard to believe that that just completely missed my radar. A Bill Murray movie, a Bill Murray comedy. Uh, but anyway, so, uh, Usual Suspects would be like a, a a fiver for me. Uh, and I haven't seen it in a while. But it's funny. I still remember the name Kaiser Sose. So it's like I haven't seen that movie yeah. in years, and yet that still rings rings uh, true to me. That movie's a
3: Benjamin. I could probably quote most of it.
4: Yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. I, yeah, this one.
3: is Agent Don mm-hmm. Coulion. I'll be in New York for the uh, Los Angeles <laughs> <God> for the <laughs> week. Leave a message like that. Chaz <laughs> Palimentary is in that movie as Agent Coulion. Oh,
4: <laughs> Great yeah.
3: Chaz Palimentary from A Bronx Tale.
4: By the way, that's a a underrated performance. We need to do Brock's Tale. That's that's a dimer. Uh, uh, Ed put on Boiler Room. Oh, Boiler Room is a dimer for me, and I guarantee you most of your audience has never even seen Boiler Room. This was a two-star movie. (laughs) I saw it in a theater in Columbia. And I might have been, There might have been six people in the entire theater. This is when people actually went to movies. But it it, it had a cast like the biggest name, I guess, was Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck, yeah. Uh, and, and it was it was in a lot of ways. If you've seen um, Glenn, Gary, Glenn, it wasn't Vin
2: Diesel in that movie. He yeah. was before yeah. before yeah. people yeah. knew
4: who Vin Diesel was. Yeah. yeah, before the Fast and Furious like you know meathead uh, br- uh, brand and franchise, Vin was just a regular guy in that movie. Um, the other guy, the main
5: tweeter
4: was in yes, it. Yes. He's in that movie. Yeah. Uh, James Kahn's yeah. kid. I haven't
2: seen it in so long. Tweeter's I forgot, in yeah. that movie.
4: Yeah. By the way, we broke down. So we do Forrest Gump was on the last one. Mm. And, uh, and one of the things we do when we do a deep dive on one of them is the weakness of the film, the weakness to me. And I just thought about this, watching it for the, you know, 37th time the other day on cable <laughs> is that, do you realize Forrest Gump, while playing for the Bear at Alabama, he was an All-American, right? Remember, he makes the All-American team. He shakes hands with the president. He's drinking too many Dr. Peppers. Well, well, what position was he when he made the All-American team? Uh... Was he not a running kick returner? He was, is that he it? He's a kick returner. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because he didn't bear. I don't think they trust you know Forrest to read the holes and and make the right play. And God knows if you ask him to go into pass protect, you're gonna get your quarterback killed. I mean, Forrest is not. Gonna be, <laughs> he's not gonna be running that to perfection, right? So he makes the All American game, or he makes the All American team as a returner, which means, I mean, if you watch those returns, I mean, he's running like a four two. Nobody can catch him. And, and so you mean to tell me he couldn't have gotten a cup of coffee in the NFL? Well, they For go sure. right from like he's an all-American return man that nobody can catch, nobody can tackle, field. and then he's, before you know it, he's in Vietnam. <laughs> yeah, I'm here to I tell you he's, he's – <laughs> it might be in the AFL. It might be in the NFL. It might be in the World League of American Football. But Forrest <laughs> Gump's football career, it still had some life in it. And so to me, that's the flaw in the movie. Man, right. If it know, weren't a, for you, Vietnam,
1: you, Gump would be you, in Canton.
4: You put a lot of <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> a lot of thought into this. That's I, been, I, I have, this have thing called the wonderlick test. The you know, w- <laughs> <after two laughs>
1: not not wonderlick was negative Wonder
4: Yeah, <laughs> he's not not great at that. And but you don't I'm have to Manhattan. look. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to to catch ball, return ball. Go to the end zone. That's the held up Gump a sign it for it. Well stop! Anybody.
1: Yeah, stop! Yeah, right. Before there was ever
4: Devin Hester, there was Forrest Gump. And right. That's true. You, t- I mean, that guy. Come on now, Gump could have played some pro ball. And I know there was a draft before some of you '60s historians jump on my case here. But if you are that much of a talent, they they tended to avoid you. Like you didn't see like it's not like Ted Williams in World War II where you had to go and fly a jet in the middle of your career in the prime of your baseball career when you're hitting, like, 400. Vietnam, like, if you were a major star or star athlete, performer, you pretty much got to avoid the draft. So I'm telling you, Gump would have played some pro ball. Maybe then Jenny would have stopped doing drugs and hanging out with malcontents and would have actually given Gump the love that he deserves. (laughs) This really, it took me down a dark, dark path, and I could not stop thinking
2: about it. God, I wish NIL was around back then for Forrest. Man, he would have. Oh, he would have crushed it.
4: He kind of had, you know, he had a ping pong NIL, NIL deal in a way. Yeah, he insincerely you know, yeah. talked about a paddle that he didn't even use, but but Mama said that was okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well
2: done, Mike. That's uh, that's high quality H two O right there. That's that's man. how that we finish on an
4: SEC Media Days. We'll, yeah, we'll, that's right. Nothing. We'll talk about Petrino and you know who who unseeds Georgia. We'll we'll get to that next time. Next week that's on uh, Inside
2: the Gamecocks, the show with Mike Morgan. What could have been
4: Jonathan Moxon? I really uh, see. I went on a thing there too. <laughs> oh, yeah, we, we, we laugh. We did that movie. We did Varsity Blues, and I there's some there's some issues I have with that one as well. <laughs> we, if you really break it down, there there's some there's some flaws in that film. It's a two star movie, but like Roadhouse, it's a movie when it's on, I'm watching. It's not Just, good. Hope Just this me. I'm, I'm
3: out of whipped cream. No, jeez, oh. ah. let me write
4: this down. Oh boy, wow. <laughs> now grocery really list we got to keep up with. She may be a diamond. Uh, regardless <laughs> of what you think of the movie anyway.
2: <laughs> I'm just hey, saying McEl- McElroy, by the way, heard your comments on our show And he says that Ty Simpson is the guy in Tuscaloosa So, I guess He said that?
3: TBD we'll I'm that sticking with saying? Tyler Buckner
4: yeah, t- Quote, quote I
2: worked to bet on one of the three horses I think Ty Simpson's probably going to be the guy Throughout wow. the course of
4: the season Wow, okay well, hey, I mean, he's close to it. He's right there in Birmingham. We, we, we recently had How him. Likely of How likely do you think um, multiple starters in uh, Tuscaloosa? Well, that's
2: what if, the they, other what if thing. they start them all? Yeah.
4: Yeah, mm. I mean, Nick, you know Nick's not going to be patient with this thing. No. <laughs> so whoever starts it, the moment they have like a bad game or two, it's going to be like old school Spurrier. I'm just going to pull him in right. the middle of the game. Yeah, they got channel and Spurrier down there. They, they
3: played like four guys against Southern Cal, and then Jalen Hurts just started the rest of the year.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. all right. and all We're those guys rotate. transferred
3: <laughs> immediately.
2: That was kind of yeah uh, Stock stills Blue Raiders in week one are going to be really scratching their heads by about the second quarter. Isn't amazing, Rick is still there. Uh, it's amazing. Good I can't believe him, he's man. still. He's been there part of three decades. It's amazing stuff. Yeah. So uh, good. For Beautiful good. Murfreesboro, Tennessee. It is, and now that now Jerry's up there, and Jerry Myers, who you know very well, it's a it's a former right. yeah. Gamecock uh, Gamecock staff with baseball, Chris Massaro,
3: the AD. Yeah,
4: well, that's yeah. where oh, yeah. that's why. Yeah, that's where connections mean a lot. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. He he's, he has tapped into that bat line to Columbia quite a few times over the years.
2: Mike, we'll let you run. We're
4: gonna get okay. out of here. Ahead, uh, we'll see you here pretty soon i look forward to it thank you much
2: thank you brother mike morgan the golden tones of mike morgan the best in the business and we are all but out of time greg sankey is wrapping his comments on the sec network here in the next little bit and then they'll be off and running with brian kelly jimbo fisher and eli drinkwitz we will certainly uh have uh our uh feedback on that tomorrow there is an announcement coming here in a few minutes as well a Gamecock target Malcolm Ziegler, uh, maybe a little bit closer than people thought it might be. We'll see where he goes. JC, do you have a quick uh, prediction for his house? I
3: think he's North Carolina. I, I think he's been. Un- I mean, I don't want to say unfortunately because this is, this always happens both ways. Uh, I do think he's been communicating to other recruits and maybe trying to lead on that. It gets this big close decision. The Gamecocks are into it, but. You know, contacts at North Carolina say he's been solid and sewn up for them for since he visited, uh, and that hasn't changed. And South Carolina's uh, – the contacts there say, oh, well, he hadn't told us he's not coming, but we don't know. You know, uh, there's not there's not a lot of confidence internally that he's going to go. I mean, the last thing I got from my contact is likely UNC. Um could it be like Muhammad Kaba and and could he shock, like truly shock everyone? Yeah, but, you know, in my 15, 16 years covering this stuff, I, these types of things are few and far between. So I, I, my prediction would be North Carolina.
2: Well, let's hope your prediction is wrong. Although, no. if he does choose the Tar Heels, it's not over. There's a way still to go, in this recruitment more than likely with signing day ahead in December. So, we'll get into that, right. and uh, we didn't much get into today. Uh, a lot of the updated stuff from the roster, some interesting things uh, to uh, kind of dissect. We'll do that yeah. either tomorrow or later. I actually will be not be here tomorrow. Uh, Phil and JC will be uh, towing the line. and handling. Jamie's got
3: a big day tomorrow a yeah. great big day tomorrow. So
2: we're fi- we're fired
3: up for him tomorrow.
2: Yeah, man. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, but well, yeah. I, look, I'll, I'll say they, this. Hope they all go straight. Yeah,
3: and and I'll address this tomorrow with all the talk about the heights and weights from the chat box. Please don't overrate this. This is my yeah. what? How many off season? I said 16th all season. There's never been a situation where I've looked and gone, man. When I saw that weight and the. In the Put out put it out man I knew then this guy was gonna suck or I knew then <laughs> the guy was gonna suck. there's never been a situation like that but we're gonna we're gonna break that down I want to point some things out especially when it comes to sellers weight harbor's weight and then some of the guys that have lost a little weight especially in the secondary we're gonna hash all that out tomorrow
2: certainly look forward to checking in on some of that SEC media days continues we hope you enjoy that. Throughout the afternoon, thanks to Mike Morgan. Do I hear the music? I need to put these back in.
1: Oh, I've been I've been kind of uh, avoiding the music yeah. just because and it kind of happens at random. So, I,
2: uh, oh, no, I, well, I great. I've had an ear on the TV and an ear on yeah. here, and <laughs> sometimes I don't know what I'm hearing. So uh, I wanted to make sure that I didn't miss something here from. Producer Phil. Mad Dog Mullinex. Thanks, Thanks to Mike Morgan for spending so much time with us uh, today. The unofficial, official kickoff of college football is ongoing in the Music City. If you have not, please check out thepostandcourier.com and read David Kloninger's absolutely beautifully written column on our dear friend Michael Haney. He's one of the coolest guys on the planet, and it's an awesome, awesome article about his transition from sports media to music we'll have him on soon as well for jc and phil i'm jb i'll see you wednesday they'll see you tomorrow at 11 painted garnet and black by a couple of painters let me paint something.com and live from the sonorama studios inside the game the show